0: Welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, your co-host and moderator, and joining me is the future financial dorm resident, Lily. Hello! <laughs> well, as Lily gets ready to leave for college, for this week's episode, we watch something that will prepare her for the road ahead and give her an idea of what to expect. As she embarks on this road to educational fulfillment.
1: Yep, because college is full of talking monkeys that are far smarter than me.
0: <laughs> yes, because we watched the Futurama episode entitled Mars University.
1: I think it's kind of symbolic to sort of begin my college journey with a Futurama episode, considering our first podcast ever was about the pilot of Futurama.
0: Yeah, we should just end everything here. <laughs> 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 this episode was written by J. Stewart Burns. He was the great writer of Roswell That Ends Well. That was the episode that won Futurama the Emmy for Best Animated Series. I think he wrote about eight in total. This was one of them. And it was directed by Brett Holland. And this episode is technically the 11th episode of the first production season, but it was aired as the second episode of season two. So I think on Netflix it might show up under Season 2. Yeah, it does. But if you own the DVDs, it is part of Volume 1. It's a little oh, confusing. Oh, interesting
1: that they organize it differently.
0: Yeah, the, the DVDs were released, I think, for the production seasons rather than the broadcast season. So that's why they're all volumes instead of seasons. Kind of oh. strange. Uh, this episode originally aired in North America on October 3rd, 1999 on Fox. Do you remember watching this one?
1: Uh, No, I would have (laughs) been two years old.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I remember this one. So funny.
1: (laughs) Like the first time I watched it, uh, going on a Futurama binge, I like watched from the beginning all the way to season eight a few months ago.
0: Yeah. Well, how how old were you when you first started watching Futurama?
1: That's a really difficult question. Um, Probably like, I saw my first couple episodes at 12.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right.
1: But it was like, you know, the jokes were went right over my head. So watching it again now, I'm like, I can appreciate it.
0: Well, I mean, that's the thing about Futurama. I think there's very few people that can understand every joke, which is kind of nice.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Very intelligent writing staff.
1: And that's what you want in any sort of show.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. All right, so let's get right into this episode. We start at Planet Express, and Professor Farnsworth is bringing in a crate that must be delivered to himself, uh, to which Bender says another job well done as he sits back. (laughs) But uh, he does clarify it needs to be shipped to his office at Mars University, and it contains something that will help him win the Nobel Prize. He doesn't care what field he'll win the prize in, because he says it all pays the same anyway. (laughs) And at one point, the box starts to make noise and moves around, but the professor shoots a tranquilizer gun into it and says, off we go.
1: (laughs) I love the professor. Oh my, no.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Billy West does a great job. So many voices in this, and each one is different.
1: I know that it's the same voice actor, but had I not had that information, it would... I wouldn't even know because of the way he does each character. Yeah. I actually watched an awesome documentary on Netflix about voice acting, and he was in it. Very interesting. I forget what it's called. Oh, is it called <laughs> but... I Know That Voice? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. It's a good watch if you're interested.
0: So we then cut to the beautiful opening sequence of Futurama, which I always love. Uh, every episode has a different phrase under the title Futurama, and for this one it says Transmitido in Martian and SAP.
1: It is also one of the first episodes with the alternate opening music.
0: Yeah, a little different. In the DVD commentary, according to Matt Groening, I don't know if he was joking or not, but he said that the original plan was to feature a different remix of the theme song every week, but he said after this, they just decided to stick with the one.
1: I can't blame them. That's a lot of work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it, it shows up once in a while, not every week. I do like the original theme song best.
1: Yeah, it is interesting to he- to start an episode and hear something different. And you're like, oh, that's interesting.
0: <laughs> Every episode features a different cartoon on the view screen that the Planet Express ship ultimately crashes into. And for this episode, the cartoon being shown is called Pigs in a Polka. And it was one of Warner Brothers' Merry Melodies cartoons. It was directed by Fritz Freeling. And it came out in theaters on February 6th, 1943, and it's a parody of Walt Disney's Three Little Pigs, and it also pokes fun at Fantasia.
1: Interesting. I wonder where they find these.
0: Well, I guess from what I read, Warner Brothers did not renew the copyright on this cartoon. So it's one of the few that slipped into the public domain, and Mm. for that reason, it was also... I'm not sure where, but I read it shows up in the movie Training Day with Denzel Washington, as well as in an episode of uh, Everybody Hates Chris. I don't know if you remember that show.
1: I do remember it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah, it, it it's one of those things. You can use it for free, so they'll drop it in once in a while. So, after the opening sequence, we then cut to the Planet Express ship landing on the surface of Mars. So, from here on out, it's all on Mars. One of the few episodes without... Well, I guess the beginning part was on Earth. But one of the few episodes with very little Earth goings-on.
1: It's also one of the three episodes where there's no Zoidberg.
0: Oh, wow, yeah, you know, I didn't even think of that. But that's, yeah, now that you say it, I don't remember. <laughs> didn't bother me, I guess. I like Zoidberg, <laughs> but... <laughs> uh. Now, you'll notice that the Martian atmosphere is a little more yellow in color than you would probably expect from Mars. And that was a deliberate color choice that was used to keep Fry and his jacket from blending into the background. Oh, that's funny. So the red planet's a little yellow here, but that's visually it, it works. It, it's really nice. You don't see, I think it's even mentioned in the commentary, you don't see too many cartoons with a yellow sky or a red sky. They could really make the sky any color they want, but it, it visually it works out very nice. It really has that alien feel to it.
1: See, I didn't put as much... Uh Focus on the background. I didn't notice all that. I'm like, oh, I'll just look at the main character. Because well, that's <laughs> good.
0: That's the purpose. If you, you don't notice it, then it's doing its job. That's true. So the, the ship flies over the campus of Mars University, and we see that the motto is knowledge brings fear. <laughs> so I like here where Fry is impressed by the campus, and he remarks that back in the 20th century, we had no idea there was a university on Mars. And the professor explains that Mars was once this dreary, uninhabitable wasteland, much like Utah. But unlike Utah, it was eventually made livable, and Mars University was founded in 2636.
1: Um, I believe that is a reference to Harvard when it was initially. It's a thousand years in the future um, from Harvard's founding in
0: 1636. Oh, okay. Wow. But a lot of the writing staff from Futurama did go to Harvard, so anywhere they can make a reference, they do. Yeah, that's, that's funny.
1: A very educated group of entertainers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my, yes. <laughs> so we see a little more of campus. We see the Wong Library, which is named after Amy's parents, which we find out in a previous episode uh, are a wealthy family on Mars, very influential. Engraved across the top of the library are the names Socrates, Vos Savant, and Cognitron.
1: No, I didn't know- realize that. That's funny.
0: Yeah, and well, of course we know who Socrates is, but Marilyn Vos Savant—does that name ring a bell?
1: I can't say that it does.
0: Well, you're not an old person. She actually is a columnist for Parade Magazine, and oh, really? <laughs> that's the magazine that shows up in the newspaper. <laughs> and she writes a column called Ask Marilyn, where people try to ask her logic questions, all kinds of puzzles and things like that, and she was once recognized by Guinness as having the world's highest IQ. Oh, man. Yeah, very high IQ, but Guinness has since retired the category because there's so many discrepancies with the IQ testing that they there yes, is. not to bother. <laughs> and I liked when Fry looks inside this giant library, and the professor tells him that it's the largest collection of literature in the Western universe, and all there is inside is fiction on disc one and all nonfiction on disc two. (laughs) That's awesome. This is back in 99 where we figured it would just be higher capacity discs in the future.
1: Which I guess isn't all incorrect. Because there are higher capacity discs, just of a different nature.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I guess the hard drives are spinning discs.
1: Yeah, but they're even moving away from that with the solid state hard drives, no moving parts at all in them.
0: Yeah, but if Bender can have gears inside of him, the Wong Library can have two high-capacity disks, why not? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So now Bender is pleased to see on campus a chapter of his old fraternity, uh, Epsilon Rho Rho.
1: So that is actually a goof, because it is abbreviated as E-R-R. Which is incorrect because Rho is a Greek letter represented by P. So really it should be EPP, but they wanted to have the E-R-R to make the error joke.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't even get that. That's great. (laughs) So Bender explains here to Leela that he went to college because he's a Bender. And he went to Bending College and majored in Bending. And when Fry asked him, well, what'd you minor in? He says Robo American Studies.
1: I guess it's a modern stereotype for people going to college with some important degree, they minor in something completely unrelated. Yeah. Like oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a physics major, but I'll minor in psychology.
0: <laughs> so what are you gonna minor in, Lily?
1: Um, fun.
0: TV history.
1: <laughs> yeah. It'd be helpful for the podcast. So.
0: <laughs> so Bender knocks on the door of Epsilon Row Row and he's Originally mistaken as the man scheduled to fumigate the moose head by this very nerdy robot that comes to the door. And he's allowed in after performing a very difficult secret handshake.
1: That pretty much beat anything I formulated in elementary school.
0: (laughs) As they walk into the fraternity house, Bender explains to Leela and Fry and the professor that really only the coolest robots will be here. But we find that the house is only occupied by three very nerdy robots, uh, two of which are playing a game of chess uh, just by calculating moves and not moving any pieces. I, that I appreciated funny. that. I love here where the robot says, mate in 143 moves, and the oh. other robot says, oh, poo, you win again. <laughs> just staring at the chessboard. <laughs>
1: I also noticed that this house is so incredibly dirty, yeah. <laughs> and it gave me like such anxiety for when I actually go to school and am living in a dorm. I I'm such a neat freak. I'll probably be picking up after my roommates every single spare moment I
0: have. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they're listening, just leave it. Lily will pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> And the robots then introduce themselves. There's Gearshift, he's the chapter president. Oily and Fatbot. And they, they laugh on the commentary, saying like, yeah, we didn't really take too much time with the names. Yeah. <laughs> There's a funny conversation. of I think Matt Groening brings up, like, why would you build a fat robot? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're honored to meet Bender. They've obviously heard uh, about him and his exploits and... Uh, he's a fraternity legend. He's Bender from Bending State. And they beg him not to leave, and they explain they're the lamest frat on campus. And they even mention that Hillel has better parties than them. And Hillel is actually the foundation for Jewish campus life. Oh. So I don't know if there's a background there with some of the writers and that organization, but they drop that in. I don't know what their partying reputation is, but anyway. Yeah.
1: I'm not doing Greek life while I'm at school. I've, it's just not not for me. I don't want to live in a house with a bunch of other people and do charity work. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> so they're, they're begging Bender now to, to stay and to teach them to be cool. And, and Bender agrees on the condition that they provide him with 10 kegs of beer, a continuous tape of Louie Louie, and a regulation two-story panty-raid ladder.
1: Because there are regulations for those sorts of things.
0: <laughs> I don't think we hear Louie Louie in the show. We do see some kegs of beer and we do see the ladder come into play. Probably couldn't get the rights to the song. Or didn't want to pay the rights to, for the rights to the song. Yeah. Now Fry tells Leela and the professor that being there takes him back to his college days. And we then cut back to the past at the amusements at coney island and we see all kinds of rides and games did you notice some of the prizes over the games there i didn't there's actually a homer and bart simpson doll hanging as prizes oh awesome yeah at, at, at this point of the show the simpsons were supposed to be a fictitious family in the futurama universe you know just as they are in ours but you know years later there ended up being a crossover episode and i don't know if they could explain that away as being a a a parallel universe you know and they could go into that kind of explanation but they weren't meant to cross over at that point they were supposed to be just a show that aired a thousand years ago
1: interesting i mean they could always pull a dc comics and make earth 2 yeah nah (laughs) (laughs) who needs explanations when and i guess it's the audience was, wanted it to happen.
0: Yeah. That was a great episode. And we also see here a booth entitled Coney Island Community College. And we see, I guess, Fry goes in there. He has to keep his hands in the, in the ride at all times and comes out with his cap and gown. It's pretty funny.
1: So here's my question for the episode. Kind of unrelated to the, the, the episode. Mm-hmm. Because to me, like, that seems like the worst amusement park ride ever. I'm going to pay, like, whatever ridiculous amount it is, probably like a dollar to go on the ride <laughs> to be educated when all I want to do is, like, be thrown around till I throw up. I, I guess I have two different questions. Okay. Um, do you have a, like, worst amusement park experience of your life?
0: Yeah, I think so. Okay. Is that question one? You want to start with that one? <laughs>
1: Um, I I think I like that question better than the other one. I okay, up. it pertains more. Um, okay. so what is that? If you don't mind sharing.
0: Oh no, not at all. I believe I was the first thing I think of is I, I believe I was seven or eight years old, and as you know, Lily, we have this carnival that shows up in every year at a vacant parking lot, and they've been doing so for probably the past twenty-five to thirty years. Uh, there has been <laughs> some issues with that it's kind of just this ramshackle operation that's thrown together and sticks around for a weekend and that's about it mm-hmm. and <laughs> I believe it was that one that I went to uh, with some friends and family and I was invited to go on to the zipper ride are you familiar with that
1: oh yes I am
0: so for, for those that don't know, you're, you're kind of in this cage where you sit down and you have two bars in front of you that you hold on to. Uh, it spins around and it's on like a track on this longer bar. So if you can picture a chainsaw, the way that the small pieces move <laughs> around the bar, but then picture the whole bar itself flipping around. So basically you're just going way up into the air and spinning around in all different ways. I was probably too young to be on that ride. I don't get motion sickness, but my head kept going forward. The, the restraints were too big for me. So I kept smashing my face into the front cage of the zipper ride as we went around.
1: Oh my god!
0: <laughs> so I was crying. It was a terrible experience. I came off and I just had this huge bruise on my forehead. And of course we had picture day at school. Not too long after. <laughs> So for whatever year it was, first grade, second grade, I had a uh, a bloody spot on my forehead.
1: Oh my god.
0: So yeah, that was probably the worst. How about you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My horror story, my amusement park horror story, is at that very same event. Uh, (laughs) For, I was probably like 10... I would say, and they have a whole bunch of different like food vendors, and so I had found one where you could get like like a cheesy hot dog, which for some reason I enjoyed. So I got that, however, the hot dog slipped out of the bun and onto my pants, oh. so I walked around the festival or carnival with cheesy pants, and that was <laughs> fine. I mean, I could manage... Except when we went over to the animal exhibit, they have this whole portion of the festival where it's like interactive with farm animals, so uh, a goat tried to eat my pants.
0: <laughs> wow
1: <laughs> I was so terrified of <laughs> the goats like screaming and kicking and trying to run away. Oh man <laughs> couldn't escape the clutches of the evil cheese goat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to be traumatic. The cheese So I now goat. have
1: an irrational fear of goats. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's pretty funny.
1: So we in those childhood memories.
0: <laughs> yeah, a couple of great ones there. Both of our terrible experiences had nothing to do with getting sick.
1: I know. And you'd think that that's... I've actually never puked at an amusement park.
0: Me either. So now we, we cut back to Mars as Fry reminisces about... His time at Coney Island Community College, which totaled probably about 30 seconds, he yells out, Go Whitefish! which is their mascot, evidently. I won't go into what a whitefish is. Uh, <laughs> we also learned that Fry did not even graduate because then he shows Leela his failure to graduate certificate, which was pretty funny. But he's proud that he's a certified college dropout.
1: Hey, whatever makes him smile, I guess. <laughs>
0: Now th- this is a very important part of the episode for you, Lily. Leela says, "Please, everyone knows twentieth-century colleges were basically expensive daycare centers."
1: Yeah, I was like, I, I picked up on that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course, you're in the twenty-first century, so little yeah. time has passed. The professor, there you go. The professor chimes in, "That's true. By modern-day academic standards, you're merely a high school dropout." So Fry's upset to hear this. And it's because of this that he decides to enroll in Mars University so he can drop out all over again.
1: College is expensive now. I mean, to go just to drop out is like buying a new car Oh, and I not know. driving it ever.
0: He doesn't plan on going long. In fact, Lila tells him, you won't last two weeks. And he replies, aw, oh, thanks for believing in me.
1: I like that. That was funny.
0: <laughs> There's so many great lines in here. I wish I could write them all down, but... There's just too much. That's what I like about Futurama. It's so packed with jokes.
1: Yeah, I love shows where they have like a rewatch value to them. Because there's no way you could have possibly gotten all the jokes the first time you watched it through.
0: Yeah, no way. You can watch these over and over again and still pick up new things. So now Fry meets up with Amy Wong... And she's in line for enrollment. I guess she attends Mars University sometimes. And uh, there they see the professor again with that mystery crate. Fry asks the professor what he's going to be teaching. And he tells him it's the same thing that he teaches every year and he just made up the title so nobody would bother going and he wouldn't have to bother teaching. And it's the mathematics of quantum neutrino fields. And as he's explaining that he doesn't want anybody to attend, Fry writes it down. And did you catch what he wrote it down as?
1: Oh, something burrito.
0: (laughs) He wrote it as mathematics of wonton burrito meals. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Of course, the professor is all upset now. He actually has to show up for this class.
1: Yeah, that's true. So he's supposedly a professor at this university, but in every single Futurama episode, he's like never at this university.
0: Well, I guess because no one ever attends the class, so he never really has to tricky (laughs) so we we then cut to that night as bender and the nerdy robots sneak across campus with their ladder and they place it on the side of a building and i like how it's a future ladder so it electronically hoists them up to the window
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) but we'll still fall over backwards
0: (laughs) right right yeah so they giddily look inside as a there's a group of young ladies engaged in pillow fights and showering and using a computer while wearing lingerie you know, all college activities,
1: yeah, and then I noticed the like smutty calendar that's probably targeted towards male usage.
0: Yeah, it was funny they had that, yeah.
1: yeah, it's a computer she was using.
0: <laughs> I didn't get that because that's a that's a very old Mac. that was that's before my time. I was in high school when this episode came out, and we were certainly not using those. I don't know why they picked yeah. a computer that old. It was strange. I don't know. So, of course, the gag here is that it's the computer that they're excited to see. This is obviously a scene reminiscent of Animal House, with John Belushi's character peeking into the sorority window. And uh, they become especially excited when one of the ladies opens up the computer to reveal its components. Bender is a little too interested, and after extending his eyes against the window, the four robots fall backwards... And yeah, that's exactly as John Belushi falls backwards in Animal House. But of course, here, it's a little different. They they fall back onto a wing of another fraternity house, the Snooty House, and they end up destroying the servants' quarters and the servants. A couple of deaths <laughs> take place in this scene.
1: And it's that that means that they have gone too far. <laughs> yes.
0: Those robots have gone too far. <laughs> I think David X. Cohen, the executive producer, mentions the name Snooty House. They worked really hard on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the robots run away as Bender orders them to cheese it.
1: I love that phrase.
0: <laughs> so we then cut to the financial aid dorm, where the sign is falling down.
1: Yeah, it's literally a piece of cardboard.
0: Well, not yet. This is the wooden sign.
1: Oh, this is a wooden sign? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, well, it, there's actually, if you watch these scenes... Uh, In a row, there's a little story that takes place, so it's pretty funny. So it starts right now with a wooden sign falling down, and uh, inside, Fry gets settled into his new living space. It's not too bad.
1: No, from the way the outside looks, you wouldn't expect the dorm to look so nice.
0: Yeah, and uh, there was a knock on the door. Fry opens, and he meets his new roommate, and it's a small monkey wearing a bowler hat. (laughs) Of course. Very funny. Of
1: course. (laughs)
0: And the monkey immediately calls for the top bunk. And I love the animation here. Just jumping up onto Fry's face and then, like, pushing off from there to get up onto the top bed.
1: (laughs) He's extremely intelligent, but apparently has lacked some of those uh, important social skills.
0: Yes. (laughs) So at this point, the show takes a commercial break. So why don't we take this opportunity to take a commercial break ourselves pay some bills and we'll be right back. Let's see. Cola, lemon lime, yep. Orange. Can't wait to drink all these miscellaneous doctors,
1: root yep. beer, another lemon uh, lime, hurry up. and artisanal cream soda. That'll be $11.47. What? But I only have $2. Ah!
2: That was being 25 years ago, when soda buying was nothing but aggravation. More recently, companies have flooded the market with these make-your-own-soda contraptions. Yeah, I tried those. I ran out of $100 combination refills and grew accustomed to just drinking the syrup straight from the bottle. Now, there's something better. Sodux. Sodux is like the Netflix of sodas. Just download the app, Sign up for the five dollar monthly subscription. Attach the electro tab to your tongue, and begin tasting the over two hundred thousand different carbonated beverages from the SodaX library. You might think it looks stupid walking around like this, but you know what's really stupid? Buying soda for two dollars a bottle. Right now, I'm drinking a cane sugar strawberry soda from Denmark. What are you drinking, SodaX? Sign up today.
0: And we're back. Now when we return here the, the monkey is neatly unpacking his things when the professor enters again with the crate, but now it's empty. And he says to and Leela, Oh I see you've met Gunter. And he <laughs> was the top secret contents of the stinking crate.
1: Yeah, why did he have to be shot with the dart <laughs> if he's so civil?
0: Well, it's it's kind of at this point in the series where we notice the professor is unusually cruel at times.
1: Yeah, yeah, he is.
0: Yeah, it, it starts to it comes up a little later too in this episode as well. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and in the early conception of this episode, instead of Gunter, Fry's roommate and rival was going to be Professor Farnsworth's young clone, Hubert, who we you know obviously see later on in the series. The name Gunter came from the actual name of J. Stewart Burns' college roommate, and Gunter's voice here is done by the great prolific voice actor Tress McNeil. Not to spoil anything, but later on, when Gunter is just a regular monkey, then his voice is done by Frank Welker, another very prolific and great legendary voice actor.
1: The one voice to rule them all.
0: Yes. Optimus Prime and Freddy from Scooby-Doo. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> The one thing about Frank Welker is he can do any animal voice needed for a cartoon. So there's so many times in which he's used in shows like Futurama, he'll be the voice of the anteater or the voice of the monkey in this case. So used quite often. That's
1: awesome. I imagine voice acting to be like like regular acting, except you get to go to work in sweatpants and not shower.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, no, it definitely. it's it, You kind of have that perk of not having to be seen. But these guys definitely put in the work. It is it is accurate. Oh yeah. I couldn't do it. No. It's tough. So here we get a little bit more explanation of what's going on. The professor explains that Gunter's intelligence isn't from any science mumbo jumbo. It's derived from his electronium hat that uses the power of sunspots to produce cognitive radiation. <laughs> And I love right away. Gunter is just condescending to Fry, and he's just like, "You're wasting your breath, Professor. He won't understand a word of it."
1: I love how the the contrast between Fry and the monkey. Where Fry is like blatantly like, "I don't like you," but the <laughs> monkey just has the attitude.
0: Yes, and he's always talking down to Fry, call you know, referring to him as stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so here, when he tells the professor that you know, don't bother, he won't understand a word of it. Fry jumps up at him. And he's like, "I understood the word hat." <laughs> it's
1: very
0: funny. And we learn that the professor arranged for them to be roommates so he would only have to remember one phone number. <laughs> That's the only reason why the two are paired up in the first place.
1: Which is weird because at least my dorm doesn't have its own phone number. <laughs>
0: So, the professor orders them to shake hands, they do very reluctantly, and Fry even offers Gunter the peace offering of a banana, but Gunter refuses, saying that he does not eat bananas, and he prefers only banana-flavored energy bars made from tofu.
1: (laughs) That was, that was like a hipster joke to me, but...
0: (laughs) Yeah, some things carry over through the decades. So, we, we next see Fry's first day in class, it's 20th century history which he expects, you know, to be an absolute cakewalk. And the professor, who is also Billy West, he sternly warns the class that basically, I guess, one out of 12 will pass, and that the only possible way to get an A in the course is to actually have lived in the 20th century. And, you know, Fry makes this nothing-but-net swish gesture. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he's immediately punished with an electric shock.
1: I really, sometimes I wish that people At least in when I was in high school, I I was in high school with some like, obnoxious people. I wish teachers had that shock button for <laughs> kids who were just causing trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it would be so satisfying.
0: <laughs> it might be in your college, did you read the fine print of the application?
1: Uh, you know what? I didn't.
0: <laughs> uh, well, don't do any nothing but net gestures. <laughs> So at this point Fry is just very cocky about the whole thing. He tells the professor, "Yeah, I'm from the 20th century and he invites him to ask him anything." So the professor then asks, you know, very well, what was the device invented in the 20th century that allowed people to view broadcast programs in their own homes? Ugh. And
1: it's at this point like whenever I watch a game show, I'm always like screaming the answer <laughs> at the TV.
0: <laughs> the television the television. Yes, it's the television, <laughs> but of course Fry answers light bright only to be shocked again.
1: I remember light bright. I had a light bright. I was
0: going to ask, did you have one, yeah?
1: Yeah, I used it probably like 3 times.
0: Yeah, same here. I don't I think I ended up just using the pegs for other things, like little accessories for action figures and stuff. I was too young to have a light bright, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, well it was hard cuz you could only do it once and then the paper was ruined. You'd like punched at least from what I remember, yeah, you had to like punch it in certain patterns.
0: Yeah, like the the paper would be printed with little letters, like R for red, and then you, yeah. you punch yeah. it through. And then they had obviously blank black paper that you can just do your own design. But they were smart back in the day. You would have to buy supplemental packs of paper that were you know ne- hung next to the light bright boxes on the shelf, and for I don't know an extra few bucks, you could buy extra packs instead of just Getting black construction paper yourself, dirt cheap. <laughs> I remember when I was little and I was given a light bright as a present. My great aunt did not have a light bulb for it. And she gave me this red <laughs> little Christmas bulb. And I just remember like, it's all red. <laughs> That's my, my earliest light bright memory. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's really hilarious.
0: <laughs> uh, so Gunter, like Lily... Knew right away that it was the television, and uh, it very much impressed the professor, as well as Amy, who seems to be a little attracted to his intelligence. Yeah. (laughs) One of many characters in the series Amy becomes attracted to.
1: I mean, my favorite Amy pairing is Kiff and Amy.
0: When he's not around, I guess. Oh. (laughs) Very funny. (laughs) That's horrible. So, later at Mentholiptus Hall, which is a a very funny cough drop joke.
1: (laughs) Yes, yeah.
0: I very much appreciated this. We see the the dean of Mars University, and he's Dean Vernon, named after John Vernon, who played the dean in Animal House. And the, the character actually looks like John Vernon. So, this is, you know, direct... Animal House reference, and uh, he's work, working on building a model spaceship at his desk when the robots from Robot House enter, and the dean is very much upset with them and pretty much blaming them for all of the problems that they've had on campus lately. And as a result, he places them on tuple secret probation. <laughs> <laughs> pretty serious. Very. Now, in Animal House, they were placed on double secret probation, so they upped it by a factor of six. <laughs> so Dean Vernon uh, ends his meeting with the robots. He's g- going back to what he describes as the one thing that has kept him sane for the last eight years. And that's working on his model ship. But when he looks down, he finds that it's missing from his desk and, of course, being eaten by Fatbot.
1: <laughs> I like the fact that the ship was like a spaceship with a mast.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it had old sails on it. Very impractical. Yeah. <laughs> So, of course, when this happens, Bender calls for them to cheese it once again, and they run away as the dean angrily yells, Robot house? (laughs) (laughs) They're just immediate adversaries for no reason other than to make this animal house parallel.
1: Critics praise them for being able to make references like that. At least that's what the wiki said.
0: Oh, it was definitely funny. Yeah. Because they're just going so over the top with the parody here. And speaking of movie parodies, we our next scene, we see Fry trying to ask out a girl named Chrissy, only to see her instead give Gunter her number. And Gunter is quickly becoming Fry's rival here in academics, in love, and life in general. Gunter holds up Chrissy's number to the window, saying, Hey, you like bananas? I got her number. How do you like them bananas? Do you know what that's a scene from, Lily? I only
1: know because I looked it up. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've never seen Goodwill Hunting. Or Animal House, so... <laughs> This this Futurama episode would probably be funnier to me if I had.
0: Well, it's like The Godfather. I've never seen The Godfather, but I've seen so many episodes of The Simpsons that I've pretty much seen The Godfather. (laughs) But yes, it's a reference to Goodwill Hunting, and instead of apples, here we get bananas. And just a visual note here, did you notice Chrissy's phone number has a lambda in it?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did.
0: Pretty funny, so... You know, you can imagine the population of the Earth increasing so much that you, you run out of digits. You gotta go to Greek letters.
1: <laughs> I mean, they're similar looking enough, I suppose. Sure.
0: <laughs> so we next cut to the professor working on a chalkboard, and he's explaining to an empty classroom that his calculations result in finding that the electron must taste like grapeade. aid. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And on the blackboard behind him, there is an explanation of super duper symmetric string theory and a diagram explaining Witten's dog, which is a parody of Schrodinger's cat.
0: And that diagram was created for the show by a man named David Sheminovich, a physicist from Caltech. It's actually a real diagram called a a Feynman diagram, but it's also a diagram of a dog pooping, if you notice. (laughs) And uh, in the commentary for the episode, David X. Cohen describes this as combining the highest and lowest things in society. (laughs) It's pretty great.
1: I guess the, the dog is named after Edward Witten. He was an American theoretical physicist and was famous... For a speech given in Sweden in 2008.
0: Unwitten's dog, if you notice the loops that are present there, those are strings from string theory. Those are actually closed strings. That diagram is like an extension of a Feynman diagram. Those are worlds. It's like a world sheet diagram. Not to get any more intricate into that, because it's very confusing, but that's... One thing about Futurama is, if you're going to see something in the background, uh, strange calculations, it's not all gobbledygook, it's actually some really hardcore mathematics or science, and often with a joke put in it, so it's pretty great.
1: Yeah, definitely can appreciate that.
0: So Fry comes into this empty classroom, I guess he's the, like he said, the only student, and apologizes for the professor for oversleeping, even though it is 5 p.m. Yeah, how long
1: was that class supposed to be, I wonder? <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> that's funny, that's true. The, uh, the professor tells Fry, you know, not to be jealous of Gunter, that without his hat, he would just be a regular monkey, no more intelligent than Fry himself. Nice little dig at Fry. <laughs> and, of course, Fry doesn't do much to contradict that view, saying that uh, when he hears this, he gets very angry, and he mutters to himself, I hate that rodent. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that night, we see that there is actually a parents' reception for university students, and Amy's parents, the Wongs, are there. Amy's father is another Billy West character. And we see the Snooty House students are there, and the robots from Robot House as well. So Gunter approaches Fry... To brag about studying with Chrissy that night. And the professor approaches with a special surprise. He brought in Gunther's parents for Parents Weekend. And removing a sheet from a nearby cage, he reveals these two screaming monkeys, much to Gunter's embarrassment.
1: <laughs> it's like getting dropped off by your parent at the mall. It's like, oh god, mom, get away. <laughs> You're embarrassing me. Except... Your mother doesn't throw feces around them.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, Fry is just loving this. And to further embarrass Gunter, he decides to open the cage, releasing his parents. And the two monkeys then go on this rampage around the reception. They're jumping into punch bowls and, like Lily said, flinging feces. And in the original shots for the show, the flying feces was actually shown, but that was cut. <laughs> And uh, we see Gunter just walks away in total disgrace. And this monkey mayhem sequence was actually animated by the episode director Brett Holland himself. He usually would have sent a sequence like this to be animated in Korea. But he wanted to do this, he said, just because he loved animating the animals. And we see a lot of care was taken. Especially when that monkey's just going nuts in the punch bowl. It's very funny. Yeah. So with the party now pretty much over, Bender suggests that they take a road trip to Tijuana to help Fatbot find some, let's say, companionship. (laughs) (laughs) Now we cut back to the financial aid dorm, where now the replacement cardboard sign is falling down. And we see Leela telling Fry that what he did to Gunter was cruel, and saying further that we know who the real animal is today. And this was sad. Entering the darkened room, they see Little Gunter there huddled on the floor weeping while eating bananas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I loved that.
0: <laughs> and Gunter tearfully tells him that of course he loves bananas, but he's just trying so hard to fit in. And after seeing his parents act that way, he'd realize that he's nothing more than just a primitive beast. And Fry trying to help cheer him up tells him that, you know, not everybody turns out like their parents, saying that his parents were honest, hard-working people. <laughs>
1: Fry is not making a very good case for himself this whole episode.
0: (laughs) Uh, Fry has a lot of stupid moments here, which is great. Gunter tells him that you know his hat looks cool and makes him smart, but it just doesn't make him happy. And Fry suggests that if he's not happy, maybe he should go back to the jungle. And while it seems Gunter would be maybe open to the idea, he refuses, saying that he's the professor's prized experiment and that he's like a father to him. We have a great gag here where... Leela then tells him, well, despite that, he's actually not his father, though. The, his father was the monkey jumping around in the punch bowl. And we see Fry <laughs> immediately spit out the glass of punch he was drinking. <laughs> and when the sequence was being animated, they were instructed, do not have Fry hold a glass at any point until the very end. Like, this gag was supposed to come from nowhere. So it was pretty funny. Yeah. So back at the 20th century history class, we see it's the day of the big test. And Gunther can't even concentrate. He's just drawing pictures of bananas. And I love Fry now trying to copy his answers. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) And he too is drawing bananas, but they're not as good, if you notice. They're (laughs) really poor drawings of bananas. And so Gunther now keeps looking back between Professor Farnsworth and the jungle that he can see through the window. And he keeps looking back and forth, back and forth. And we hear this swell of jungle music And it becomes too overwhelming for Gunter, so he takes off his hat, screams like a monkey, and jumps through the plate glass window, running off to the jungle.
1: Like the ultimate way to get out of a test.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Lily, if one of your classes becomes too overwhelming, don't throw your hat to the ground and jump through a plate glass window.
1: (laughs) I don't think I'd make it through the window, so...
0: (laughs) And I love the professor here. He, he laments saying that he was afraid he would run off like this and, and asking why didn't he break his legs. It was more <laughs> of that cruelty from the professor. It's so horrible. <laughs> it is terrible. And here we get a commercial break. When we return, we cut back to the financial aid dorm where the new sign is simply the words financial aid dorm written in chalk on the side of the building as a goat eats the old cardboard sign that has fallen.
1: Can't even afford a new piece of cardboard.
0: So there's your cheese goat, Lily.
1: (laughs) No, not the cheese goat.
0: Uh, Make sure there's no goats around your dorm.
2: (laughs) Oh my god, my school's mascot is a goat. Is it? Yeah. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Uh,
0: Oh my
1: god. Maybe this isn't the right school for me to evaluate my life decisions. It's a bad
0: sign. I'm telling you, it's just a bad sign. (laughs) Oh boy, that's funny. (laughs) So so in the dorm, the professor is sitting on Fry's bed and looking at a a picture of him and Gunter in better times. They're actually on a log flume ride. Would have liked to see that story. And the professor tells Leela that he just ran away to the jungle after submitting a test smeared with feces, which actually tied Fry's test score. Fry tells the professor that, you know, he's better off, he's just an animal, and the professor thinks that Gunter's better off having intelligence. So Leela, rather than taking a side in the debate, comes up with a scheme, they're going to go to the jungle, and they're going to let him decide what he wants for his life once and for all.
1: Which is kind of a lofty decision to give a monkey who doesn't have, you know, genius properties anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, it seems like a flawed plan, because why wouldn't the monkey just go for the banana? Animals... Instinctively know what food is, but not hats.
1: Yeah, they don't have fashion senses or (laughs) (laughs) dreams.
0: So, in our next scene, which is happening for some reason, we see that there's the big fraternity raft regatta being held in a nearby river, and the dean announces to the crowd that whichever house wins, they will become head of Greek council, and if the winning house was under some sort of multiple secret probation, it will be lifted, and the Dean himself will be the Grand Marshal of the parade honoring them.
1: <laughs> did you notice what the name of the boat was for the Snooty House?
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. What did you say?
1: <laughs> uh, S.S. Von Snoot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the, the Dean now takes out his pistol, says on your marks, and then shoots the side of the robot house's inflatable boat, which is pretty funny. Yeah, like, what was that even made of? It looked like an oversized inner tube. Yeah, pretty much. And these robots are heavy, too.
1: I know. They would sink real quick.
0: And they brought full kegs with them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, what is that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) None of this makes sense anyway, so it doesn't matter bringing in other strange elements like this.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Suspend disbelief in all circumstances involving cartoons. Yeah,
0: forget the talking monkey. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so meanwhile, in the jungle, we see the Professor Fry and Leela are searching for Gunter, and they think they hear something, so the professor throws a grenade into the treetops,
1: yeah, <laughs> which I guess is filled with some sort of tranquilizing gas or yeah. it causes birds, a tiger, and an elephant to fall <laughs> out of the treetops.
0: It's almost like the purple knockout gas from the old Batman series that would always show up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it, it's so funny, like, you know, all of these smaller animals start to fall down, unconscious. A tiger as well. And the professor tells them not to worry. Once the sedation wears off, they'll be just fine. And then the elephant falls onto all of them, presumably squishing them.
1: <laughs> it, it's like, um, like a jump funny. Like a jump scare, but the opposite. <laughs>
0: Once again, the professor being unusually cruel to animals in this episode. So they, they finally find Gunter and he's looking at his reflection in the river and they detail the plan. The professor will offer him the hat, Fry will offer the banana. While they're in the middle of making their offers to Gunter, they are interrupted by the sound of the robot house raft cruising by with Bender water skiing behind them. <laughs> <laughs> with a huge wake... So big that they get caught in it, and Fry, Leela, and Farnsworth are now washed into the river. Now, unbeknownst to the robots, the river ends at a very steep waterfall over jagged rocks. And they fly over the edge, and they they land on the rocks, destroying their boat, and presumably scattering them. They go all over the place. At first I was like, why is the regatta going over a waterfall in the first place? But it seems as (laughs) though this might have been some sort of shortcut they were trying to take. We don't really see that.
1: Ah, yeah.
0: So just as they fall, nearby is the finish line of the regatta. And Dean Vernon is just about to announce Snooty House and the SS Von Snoot as the winner. When all of a sudden the Robot House just emerged from the river with their deflated boat right at the finish line. So back up at the waterfall, we see Fry, and Farnsworth clinging to a, a floating log for dear life as they approach that edge of the waterfall. But right at the precipice, the log is held in place by two rocks that are jutting out.
1: Very convenient.
0: Yes, but not for long because Farnsworth remarks how sturdy the log is, and he pats it, and when he does, a big piece of it breaks off. (laughs) And Farnsworth is not a strong individual. No. (laughs) (laughs) So as they're stuck hanging there, Gunther is staring at both the hat and the banana, trying to make sense of the two objects. And he's sniffing them, and he he places the banana on his head, and he tries to eat the hat. And they're trying to, you know, cheer him on as he's doing this.
1: Yeah, like, he's actually gonna respond. If there's a wild monkey, it would run away from somebody screaming at it.
0: Oh, yeah. Grab the banana and head for the trees. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But there must be some memories that are still in there. You know, like, he still has that knowledge, but he just maybe can't access it anymore. Because he knows the hat needs to be worn on him in some way. He just can't figure out how and where. And we see now he places the hat on his knee. And then he places the hat on his butt, which gets a laugh out of Fry, which is hilarious. I
1: love that. (laughs) That Fry laugh every time.
0: (laughs) But then he does actually place it on his head. And and we get one of my favorite lines. He exclaims, Eureka, the hat goes on the head. It's so obvious now. So now, as the log begins to give way, Gunter uses his banana to scrawl some calculations onto the dirt. And uh, after working out the necessary physics, Gunter gets to work tying a vine around a log, and then he rides it down the edge of the waterfall, and he throws the loose end over a tree branch. And as Gunter and the log go over the edge of the waterfall, Frylila and Farnsworth grab a hold of the loose end and are pulled up to safety on the tree branch. So I'm not, yeah. not sure if the physics exactly work out, but...
1: Well, I mean, apparently had to do some calculations beforehand, so they must.
0: <laughs> and there's some great ad-libbing by Tress McNeil, as was pointed out in the commentary, where she's like... <laughs> as he's calculating.
1: Oh, well, that's awesome, right? I didn't even know that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. So now with them being pulled to safety up on the tree branch, Gunter is now left dangling on the heavy log, which is being held by this fraying vine and they shout down to him to climb up but now he says there's no point, he has nothing to live for, he was miserable as a genius and as a monkey he was so dumb that he tried to wear a hat on his butt. (laughs) (laughs) And just him saying that once again got a laugh out of Fry. Doesn't matter the stakes of the situation, Fry will not be afraid to laugh at something that he finds funny. So really, you feel bad for Gunther here. He he says that there's just no place for him in this world. And he really feels like, you know, there's no point in living anymore. But then, inexplicably, he starts to see the bright side of things. uh, Continuing, well, on the other hand, but just as he was about to reconsider, he falls down the waterfall as the vine breaks.
1: Unfortunately.
0: Now when they get back to the bottom of the waterfall, they see that Gunther is actually still alive. He's in pretty good shape. And I guess it's because the hat had broken his fall.
1: <laughs> yeah, makes perfect sense. And his neck didn't snap to the force of the fall or anything like
0: that. Yeah. So the professor takes a look at it, and he finds that it's still working, but only at half capacity. The professor offers to fix it, but Gunter refuses, telling him that he likes it like that. He tells him that when he had his super intelligence, there was just too much pressure to use it. See, Lily? <laughs> 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 but he... <laughs> He tells the professor that all he wants out of life is to be a monkey of moderate intelligence who wears a suit. So logically, that's why he decided to transfer to business school. And the professor cries, no, into the Martian sky as we cut to Dean Vernon angrily leading the parade honoring the robots as they glide behind him on a hovering float. (laughs) If you notice here, the, the float does not have wheels. Neither does the cart that Professor uses to move the crate around a couple of times in the episode.
1: And they just assume to be hovering? Yeah.
0: and The reason for that is there was, I think, explained in a previous episode that the technology for the wheel was lost. <laughs> so everything just hovered. Uh, that was mentioned in the commentary, but they also said that various people on the internet and on the show have pointed out hundreds of times in which wheels have appeared in the show. So while they were trying to make a running gag here you know it wasn't too consistent it's hard to stay consistent with something like as simple as the wheel
1: yeah i mean it's so prevalent
0: <laughs> so now from the float bender invites everybody to a big party at robot house and the entire student body takes to the streets and they begin dancing as the eisley brothers 1959 hit shout begins to play and we get freeze frames and captions explaining what happens to characters and you don't even have to have watched Animal House to know that that's a direct reference to the movie. It's right, an iconic yes. movie ending.
1: Yeah, so I picked up on that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so did you catch what happened to all of these characters at the end?
1: Um, so the monkey it becomes president of the Fox Network, which was funny. Leela <laughs> um, goes on a date, well, one date with Dean Vernon, and he never calls back. <laughs> The fat bot contracted a virus in Tijuana.
0: Yeah, and he had to be rebooted.
1: Uh, Yeah, he had to be rebooted. (laughs) Bender um, stole everything from Robot House and left. (laughs) Um, Oh, what happened to Fry?
0: It says that Fry dropped out and successfully returned to his dead end delivery job.
1: Is that, did I get them all?
0: Yeah, you got them all. Is that from memory? Yes, that was
1: actually from memory.
0: Very nice. that was pretty funny so fry got what he wanted he's now a certified college dropout for the rest of the series
1: (laughs) very prestigious
0: (laughs) so the episode from this point cuts to the closing credits and one thing that i don't think i mentioned in our very first episode uh when we did cover the pilot of futurama is that at the end of every episode of futurama we see the production logo for the curiosity company that's matt Groening's production company and each one has some sort of reflection on water in the background.
1: Oh, I never even noticed that.
0: Have you ever seen those? You know what I'm talking about, right?
1: No, I <laughs> I was just skipping the credits.
0: Oh. Yeah, if you watch at the end, it says the Curiosity Company. And framed within the logo is a reflection of something on water. Sometimes you can make out like a surfboard, but it's usually just different snippets. And these are actually scenes from a short film that was made by Matt Groening's father.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so we
0: put that in there as a, a tribute to him. I believe his name was Homer, Matt Reining's father. Of course, we know he named Homer Simpson after him.
1: That's a, that's a unique name. I've never met anybody named Homer.
0: No. Kind of ruined forever now because of the cartoon. <laughs> Went from the Iliad to the Simpsons. <laughs> and so that ends the episode. So, Lily, what did you think of this episode? I'm, I know you have watched it before, but what did you think upon watching it again?
1: I think it's great. I love everything that Futurama makes. So this is while they were still on Fox, I believe. Right? Yeah. Okay. So I do think when it switches over to Comedy Central, I like the episodes more. Really? Yeah. I don't don't know if that's different than popular opinion, but I think I prefer the Comedy Central Futurama to the Fox Futurama.
0: Huh. Is Um, it because maybe they're in high def?
1: No, it's not because they're in high def. (laughs) (laughs) I just think that Comedy Central lets him get away with
0: more. Yeah, that's true. Different standards.
1: Yeah. But it was hilarious. I mean, what's not to like? Talking monkeys, robot frat houses, animal house references.
0: (laughs) And it all takes place on Mars, which you think would be the strangest part of the story, but it's something you don't even think about other than the first scene.
1: That's very true. (laughs) Also... This episode was rated number 21 on IGN's list of top 25 Futurama episodes, and number three on TV.com's top 10 list of Futurama episodes. Wow. So people people like this in relation to other content put out by the same show. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's a funny episode. You know, there's there's some great episodes of Futurama, but there's, there's some that are so sad, I can't even watch them. There's the one about his brother. Oh naming, my god, I know! Naming his son after him. And the one of Jurassic Horribly. Park. The one of the uh, his dog that waits for him when he goes missing.
1: That killed me. <laughs> that episode.
0: So I know that, you know, those episodes are great, but I can't watch them over and over again. They're so sad. So th- this is just a great episode you can throw in and there's no big consequences for any of the characters. It's just this goofy story. Fry wants to go to college for like a week and drop out and... We see a talking monkey, like you said, and we're on Mars, and it's just this crazy story. Right. Yeah, I I love this episode, too. I remember first seeing it when it came on the air, and just, uh, I've had it on DVD for years. Watched it a whole bunch, and, yeah. Just like, like we talked about earlier, it it rewards repeated viewings, because there's so much going on in all of these episodes, really. And this is just, uh, one of the greats. Well, that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments suggestions, your 20th century test scores, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com. Or you can talk to us on Twitter at hittingplay. Now, do you have anything you want to plug?
1: Sure. Uh, If you like video games, check me out on YouTube. Uh, Lilyputian22 is the handle you can find me under. I make silly jokes and we play some games. And I'm under the same handle on Twitter.
0: Very good. I am on Twitter as well. My name is MC and friends there. And I am on Vine. There I am also MC and friends. And there I do flip page animations and little humorous cartoons. Uh, You can check me out and follow me there. And uh, please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out. And if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show. And we try to be creative with those. If you like the show, let us know.
1: Yeah. Make us think about something interesting to put your name in.
0: So, Lily, this is your... Last episode with us until you go off to college.
1: Yes, and the next one I'm in, I will be recording from some, probably some soundproofed studio.
0: Janitor's closet.
1: (laughs) I hope not. That would be kind of (laughs) smelly. I just hope uh, my pants don't get eaten by any goats while I'm there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, stay away from the school mascot.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, (laughs) I just hope the statue isn't some gargoyle that springs to life.
0: I would say that's probably the least of your worries for for college life, but well, whatever. <laughs> well, Lily, all the best now moving forward and uh, taking this next step in your education. Well, thank you. And we look forward to having you back on uh, whenever you're able to record with us next.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. Well, we have been Lily and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. Watch out, a <laughs> goat.